Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the 24th episode of Real Travels. My name is Lisa Iannucci. Today we're going to talk about New York Comic Con, the film festivals in general, and especially the Woodstock Film Festival, some of the movies I've been seeing lately, including Downton Abbey, and so much more. So thanks for joining me, and let's get started. And like I said, welcome to the 24th episode of Real Travels. I'm your host, Lisa Iannucci. I'm the founder of the podcast, Real Travels, and I'm also the author of A Film and TV Lover's Travel Guide, which is available at your local independent bookstore or on Amazon or Barnes & Noble, wherever you get your books. So if you could please pick up a copy today. Um, I'm deviating from the regular format of my podcast with an interview and a celebrity guest because I wanted to talk about film festivals. And if you are a film buff, uh, you're probably like me, and you love going to the theaters with your big tub of popcorn and seeing the mainstream big-budget movies. But I have always found something special about going to film festivals, and that's because here you get to see some of the best work for both from both established directors, producers, writers, actors, and up-and-coming directors, producers, screenwriters, actors. And that's what I love about it, because you may end up seeing some of these movies in the theaters eventually, but this is an opportunity for you to see something before it's gotten to the big screen, and in some cases before the directors have hit it big. And I think there's something special about that. And if you have not been to a film festival, the reason why I'm including it here is because I think we all go and travel. We're big film and TV travel buffs, and we all go to our favorite places to see where our favorite films were shot, where our favorite TV shows are shot. And it's everything I've been talking about in this podcast. And I think that if you were to now do the same thing with film festivals, it would help to not only give film festivals a boost, but also the towns that they're located in. For example, when I was in, uh, when I went to the Woodstock Film Festival this past week, I had the opportunity to walk behind somebody who was talking about what it was like to be at the film festivals. They did not know we were walking to our cars. They didn't know that I was behind them, and I kind of overheard the woman say, I really need to come back to this town. It's so cute. And that's really what they depend on is not just the promotion of the film festival itself, but for some of these festivals that are held in smaller towns and communities, it brings in people, it brings in tourism, it brings in dollars. So I think it's important to not only have audience members there who are the local community, but also to have people who have traveled to those areas. Um, I did do this like mini impromptu 
um, poll on Instagram asking people if they had ever traveled to go to a film festival. And I was surprised the majority of people did actually say no. But I think that needs to change because if you just even take a look in, in North America alone, some of the film festivals that go on here, I mean, you're talking about, you know, Tribeca Film Festival, which was started by Robert De Niro. Um, that's a big, that's a big one. Okay. That's obviously a big one. Um, and then you also have like uh, film festivals that are smaller and you have, film festivals that like the New Orleans Film Festival, which is taking place, I'm actually recording this on October 10th, and the New Orleans Film Festival is taking place um, from, I believe it's the, I don't know, I got to get the exact date, Um, but it's next week. It starts next week, and it's in October every year. And just imagine making a trip to New Orleans to see this film festival as well as explore the community. I think it's a great way to support the arts and not really one way that people think about. Uh, but if you, if you start putting, you know, your tra- when you're putting your travels together, start thinking, well, what film festival can I go to and what can I explore in the area for that film festival? Now, there are film festivals also internationally, not just obviously in North America, but there are very, very famous international film festivals as well. Um, And you can tie in a trip to one of those film festivals, um, you know, and and travel internationally as well. Again, it's really about supporting the up-and-coming directors, producers, actors, as I was talking about. So just to give you an idea, um, you know, it, it, I mean, I'm looking at a list right now on moviemaker.com um, or at moviemaker. It says 50 film festivals worth the entry fee. Now, that's obviously for screenwriters and directors and things like that. But, you know, you have the Miami Film Festival, Atlanta Film Festival, Newport Beach Film Festival, Phoenix Film Festival, Sarasota Film There is there are more film festivals than you can possibly imagine. And what I love about film festivals is they're not just like, you know, it says Cleveland international film festival. It's not just the city or the state where the film is located, but they're also separated into genres. I have written about silent film festivals and horror film festivals. So I think there's something out there for everybody. There have been, I know as a fact, there have been sports film festivals and women in film film festivals. Whatever your interest is, just try to see if there's a film festival attached to it and support them. So on that note, I have been attending for the last probably five, six years, maybe with some time off when I went through my treatment a couple of years ago for the breast cancer and this is National Breast Cancer Awareness Month, so I am giving a shout-out to please make sure that you're taking care of your health and you encourage everybody, not just women, to go get examined um, and do what you need to do to stay healthy. Um, and I, like I said, on that note, um, so I have been attending the Woodstock Film Festival for quite a few years now, and it is my favorite festival to attend. And it's because I always find one really good movie in there, if not many more, but at least one that I'm always telling somebody about. 
this particular film festival, I was able to attend three of them in person. And then um, I've watched some of them on uh, as screeners because for conflicts, you know, some of them are showing at the same time. Um, I haven't been able to finish watching them yet, so I'm going to bring you my slight reviews of those, just little tiny reviews of those in another edition of Real Travel. But for now, I just wanted to tell you that I actually stuck to some documentaries this time. Um, in the past, I have found fantastic rom-coms that I've written about, uh, comedies and, and dramas. And I have um, the majority of the ones that I'm watching this time have actually been documentaries. And they were very good. And I was very impressed with what I saw. So I just wanted to tell you a little bit about what I saw. And one of the movies, the first movie actually was not a documentary. It was called Imaginary Order. And this movie um, starred, and you might recognize her from Bridesmaids, Wendy McLean Colby. hope I'm pronouncing her name right. And the movie was produced or written and directed by Deborah Eisenstadt. Um, and it's interesting because Hollywood Reporter called this movie the human comedy cringy style. And I think that's really a good explanation of how I felt about it as well. Um, I really thought that, first of all, I love Wendy. I think Wendy's a fantastic actress. She's hilarious. She was hilarious in Bridesmaids. And um, I, I think that she's really, really funny. I didn't know much about Deborah's work prior to this. Um, and I enjoyed the movie overall, but I do have to admit it, it was not my favorite. I found it to be, as what I've termed to people, complicated. And like I said, Hollywood Reporter got it right when they called it kind of cringy. It starts out pretty good where this stay-at-home mom who thinks that she has this, like, per who seems to have this picture-perfect life, you all of a sudden see that her daughter doesn't really talk to her. Her husband doesn't really engage with her. Her life really isn't as good as she thinks she has it. And the whole concept is, is that she actually befriends the neighbor next door, um, and a whole bunch of chaos kind of ensues from that, including uh, finding out that her son, um, the neighbor's son, actually has fallen for her. And it's just, it, it's it's complicated. For me to try to sum up this movie in just a minute or two is uh, not going to be easy to do. The one thing that I was, um, the, the producer, Deborah Eisenstadt, and director and writer, was actually at the um, festival. And that's another thing about going to festivals is that, Typically, after a showing, you have somebody from the film on a panel answering questions. You don't get that when you go to a blockbuster movie. You don't get to talk to the director and ask them questions about how the film was made. And that's one of the things I love about film festivals. So during the Q&A, Deborah actually answered an audience question and said that the movie is pretty much about how much can women and moms suck it up. And she said that she was writing from her worst fears um, and pulling her, you know, pulling life crises and putting them on the screen so she wouldn't have to see them in real life, which I thought was a unique way of explaining the whole writing process and how she came up with this. 
And that in this, there's a complicated relationship with Wendy's character and her mother. And her mother is never seen on the screen, but Deborah's goal is that we could project our own mother-daughter relationship into this particular character and what she's going through. Cringeworthy at times is really um, a good explanation, especially with the scenes with the neighbor's son. Uh, but And the one thing that I really um, didn't find in this movie was me caring much about Wendy's character. Um, I just felt like typically there's an arc to a character's growth um, or a character's you know, if they're going to become a villain to even becoming a villain, there's a growth to that. And I didn't feel any growth with Deborah's, I'm sorry, with Wendy's character. And I just felt like it was kind of flat and that the character, I came to not even like her after a while. I wanted to have her stand up to what some of these people were doing to her. And that doesn't exactly happen. So I, I just, that was the only thing I like to feel engaged with some of the characters on the screen, whether I love them or hate them. And I didn't really in this film, but I, you know, I, I did enjoy watching it as a whole. I love seeing, um, you know, directors and, and, you know, how they come up with what they're creating. So that was imaginary order. And it actually did debut at Sundance as well as Woodstock, so congratulations to Deborah for that. Um, I'm sure there's a whole other, a whole bunch of other things that we can say about this particular movie. But that was the first movie that I saw. And then I saw Letters to the Editor, which is a documentary created by Alan Berliner. And basically it was 40 years in the making. And it was so funny because he, he was there. Alan Berliner was there. And he stood up before the movie started showing and he said that he called it an intuitive hunch for the movie and then a vague idea and then a ritual and then it became a project and then it became an obsession, then it became a mission and now it became a film. And what it is is that through 40 years, Alan has been collecting images from the New York Times. And eventually these images began really telling a story about the importance and the success as well as the demise of newspapers today. Um, one of the most interesting things that he said in this uh, documentary was that at the newsstand that he buys his New York Times at, the newsstand owner told him that at one time he was selling 600 copies of the New York Times a day, and now it's down to less than 15. And that Alan does believe that New York Times is going to hold on for a while, but we're not quite sure how long. Now, it, what, what I loved about this documentary was this was not a documentary where someone's sitting in front of the camera being interviewed and you're listening to what they say. The entire documentary was all of Alan's, well, I don't even know if he put all of them in. I doubt he put all of them in, his photos that he clipped. And he picked out these really important ones and, and kind of the story that they told. And then he would also make some overall connections between some of these photos. I can't even do this documentary justice because Alan had over 7,000, 7,000 photos that he had clipped. And it was absolutely so well done 
as he puts it together. And it, I, I really can't do it justice. This is why I'm not a movie critic because to, I can't really write in an article. I can't do this movie justice. So that's why I'm telling you now, if you ever get a chance to see Letters to the Editor by Alan Berliner, please watch it. I actually think that it should be in every media class in every either college or high school to, to show them because there are some kids who don't realize the importance of newspapers, the print newspapers today, because they are so connected to their phones and to instant media that they get online that they really didn't see the importance of what these newspapers do for us. Um, so that's another one um, that I saw. I am in the middle of seeing Once Upon a River, and it's, um, it was based, it was, I believe, set in the 1970s. And I'm also watching 18 to Party. So I'll bring you those in a couple of, uh, in, in my next podcast. Um, you know, so I really just wanted to put out a small podcast, a short podcast that just really told you about the fun about being at these festivals. Now, let me also explain, too, that they're not, when you go to a film festival, it's not just, um, you know, seeing the films. It's also being able to attend panels where some of your favorite celebrities can be on the panels. I mean, for example, I watch uh, Mom. And last year at the Woodstock Film Festival, um, William Fichtner, I never say his name right, uh, was on one of the panels, and um, you know, it, it's you get a chance to ask them questions. And William plays Adam, who's the boyfriend to Bonnie, now husband, and you get to ask questions. And I got to ask him questions, and then you get, you know, on on you have the panels, and you there are some film festivals that give you opportunities to mix and mingle with these directors and producers and actors, um, and it makes it a lot of fun. I didn't get really, I didn't really get a chance to see a lot of the panels this year because I've been very busy doing some other things as well, but there are so many opportunities, like I said, for you to engage beyond just sitting in a movie theater. And that's what I love about going to these film festivals. So overall, the the whole point in this is to tell you, please, if there's a film festival near you or a small drive away from you, or if you're going on a trip, see if there's a local film festival and check it out and give the um, arts some support. And I also told you in my last podcast that I would be attending New York Comic Con. Unfortunately, I had a change last minute of plans and I was unable to attend New York Comic Con this year, but uh Hopefully, maybe next year I'll be able to go, um, but I do apologize about that because, like I said, I did really want to talk to you and, and bring you some good information from New York Comic Con, but there's a ton of stuff out there. There's a ton of podcasters out there that have had the opportunity to go. Um, I was just not one of them this year. Now, every podcast now, I also try to give a shout out to another podcast that I really enjoy and I want you guys to listen to. And I am a fan of NBC's The Good Place. And I would like to give a shout out to The Good Place podcast. And it's exactly what it says. After every episode each week, The Good Place um, has either 
the cast on or writer on or the director on uh, to talk about that week's episode. And what I like about it is, is The Good Place is a fantastic show, and I'm so sorry to see it ending this year. But there are some things about it that you have to watch two and three and four times to maybe catch what the director or writers were doing. And what I love about this podcast is they actually go into some of that and I go, oh, I didn't catch that or I didn't see that because you're watching it for the humor and you're trying to keep on top of the storyline. This podcast introduces you to so many different aspects of this show that you would not think about. This show is so good. And if you're not watching it, go back and watch the previous episodes Give it, I always tell people to give it past the first five or six episodes because some people have watched and go, I can't, I just can't watch it. And I say, well, give it a few more episodes and then they become obsessed. There's just something about getting into the groove of what this show is about. And then you become addicted to it, which I did. And I couldn't wait for this season and now it's back. And I'm going to give a shout out to the Good Place, the podcast, and ask you to just check that out. Um, In the meantime, I will be back. I have a special guest for my next episode. I will be back very soon with um, the, my next podcast. In the meantime, um, if you are interested in attending the Woodstock Film Festival, you can, you can go to woodstockfilmfestival.org and check it out for sign up maybe for notifications of next year's film festival. This year was their 20th anniversary. I want to give them a Happy anniversary shout out. They are doing an amazing job. And it has just been, like I said, one of my favorite film festivals to attend. So I am going to end this one there. And I thank you guys for listening. If you want to follow me, you can follow me on Instagram at The Virgin Traveler, on Twitter at Virgin Traveler. Please leave me a review. Please share my podcast. Help me get my word out. Um, and I know I've stumbled a little bit in this podcast. Oh, I did. You know what I did forget about? I did forget about to tell you that I did have the opportunity to still go see regular in theater movies, um, over the last couple of weeks. And I had a chance to see Downton Abbey and I had a chance to see Abominable and I love them both. And I have to tell you, I not watched one Downton Abbey episode, and you can start throwing stones at me if you'd like. I know so many people want to convert me, but I didn't watch one of them. And I was afraid when I went to go see the movie that I had to, to have seen the whole series. But I saw the advanced screening at Regal, and one thing I can tell you is they gave me a 10-minute uh, filmed recap of the series telling me who was who, And that was wonderful. And that gave me exactly the information that I needed to know to be able to watch the film. And the film was fantastic. I thought it was really, really well done. And if I didn't watch it before, I definitely am looking into watching it now, even if it's kind of a backwards thing. But Downton Abbey definitely got a firm eight and a half from me on that movie. I'm sure the Downton Abbey lovers are going to give it a 10. But for a newbie, I think eight and a half is really strong for a movie on a show that I'd never seen before. Abominable, I gave Abominable a nine. Uh, I thought it was so cute and so well done. And I thought the graphics were fantastic. And I got sucked into the characters and what they were going through. And even though I know they're animated characters, but I love animated movies. 
so I will see them. I don't care how old I am. I will see as many animated movies as I can. And I thought this one was extremely well done, and I definitely gave that one a nine. So on that note, I'm going to let you guys go, and this is the 24th episode of Real Travels, and I, again, am your host, Lisa Iannucci, and I will see you next time. In the meantime, get out and travel. Thank you.